Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where the Orchard of Wisdom shows are at your fingertips. It ignites your soul, your heart, your spirit, your mind, and your body with illumination from people who have made the journey before you. They're here now to help you on your journey, on your path of self-discovery. We are funded by you, the audience, and the people we interview. If you wish to support us, please go to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com and press on our Fund Action button. Anything is appreciated. We would like you to sit back and enjoy the shows. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My wonderful guest is Simone Kinego. She says we can live the extraordinary, unordinary life. And I totally agree with you. We can be extraordinary. We can be unordinary. You can be. It's all up to how you choose to look at your journey. That is the title of her best-selling book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You, where she details her journey of adopting three of her six children, her climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, and the funny, scary, and inspiring stories that came along the way. Her goal is to help others realize the small choices that can make every day matter. We all have the power to inspire others just by being who we are. She's been married to her husband for 27 years, has six children, and she graduated from the University of Florida with both bachelor and master's in accounting. She has a CPA, and she realized early in her career that she, uh, she wasn't meant to sit behind a desk. She's a storyteller and loves talking to other people, and she truly believes that she can learn something from everyone you meet. A hundred percent agree with that. Storytelling is what we've been doing since the beginning of time. It's how we learn. It's how we get inspired. It's how we give ourselves permission to go and do. And I think it's exceptionally important in life. Welcome to the show, love. Thank you so much for having me here. And we have your six beautiful children behind you. Uh, kudos for having six kids. I had three gray hairs that got their names on it. So I know it can be exasperating. But as we were saying before, um, the more you have, the more they interact with each other, support each other, stand up for each other. Yes, they fight. But at the same time, they really, truly know how to love and be there for one another. And there's something about having a larger family that can be a gift in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I, have, I have learned so much from them, mm -hmm. but also looking at how they interact and how much they learn from each other. I mean, yeah. just certain, certain things like patience. Yes. I mean, that's a huge one. And <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's fun to watch them as they grow up and be able to explore things on their own. It's it's just been an amazing experience. You know, there's the patience, which is a big one, which I think as a human race is not something we practice enough. And if we can practice it early in life by be patient, your time will come. Um, you know, it's be patient, be supportive. And um, those are the things that if we can learn it very, very young, I think it is that quintessential deep breath that we need to take. Not everything has to happen now, this moment. And we've got into a society, download mm -hmm. emoji, it's now, I want instant gratification, my attention span is two seconds. And it's like, what are we doing to ourselves? Because when we take the deep breath and take it in and really see what's around us, that's when we really truly see the gift of life, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And and it's funny because we we do live in this society where it is the whole instant gratification and and I've had points in time where I send an email to someone and I don't hear back for multiple days and I'm like, "Oh, I guess that they're not interested or I guess they're upset with me." And my husband always says to me, seriously, Simone, take a step back. They're not thinking about you. They'll they'll respond. Don't worry. And sure enough, like the next day I'll get a response that says, oh, sorry, I've been really busy. And here I'm like in my mind thinking, oh, I did something wrong or, but that's the whole thing. Like we have to be patient. We have to understand that people have a lot going on and instant gratification isn't how we should live our lives. Oh, no, absolutely not. Because where is the value in that? It's like, you know, um, getting you know instant food in a packet gobbled it down half the time you don't even remember you've eaten it you know until the indigestion but the <laughs> actual cooking you know buying the food preparing the food the the smell of the food as it cooks the serving of the food everybody smiles as they eat it the happy tummies afterwards that gratification of that meal and the appreciation you know right back to the farmer who who farmed it i think a helps us digest better but i think if we could live in that appreciation and that gratification of of that then i think uh, we'll be far ahead of ourselves yeah agreed and it's actually something that this year i i'm a again with six kids sometimes mm-hmm. it's like shoveling the food into my mouth just to get to the next thing right yes yes um but i've really made it a priority to be mindful when i eat because first of all i do spend a lot of time cooking and then i'm thinking okay i'm just shoveling it down what did i just eat did i just eat yes. Yes. <laughs> and so really i try to think okay take a bite and think about what you're eating mm-hmm. think about have a conversation don't just like finish your meal in three minutes that you took three hours to cook right. really take the time and enjoy the company of our my family and you know whatever's happening in the moment instead of just thinking about the next thing i have to go on to yeah that is so very important um, we always had a round table so the dinner table was the conversation pit and the discussion of the day and then that would be where the big questions mommy what is and then you go oh god that question (laughs) and according to whatever the age group is you always answered it honestly right and maybe he had to filter it but you answered it honestly because they felt safe enough over the table over the good food to to ask the questions and to share their day and i think we're so busy nowadays we you know we don't take five just for ourselves but we're just so busy loading every moment up that we really don't understand the beauty of just the presence mm-hmm. and being there just to hear what would be asked if we weren't so busy. It's so true. And, you know, when now that I have three kids that are out of the house, I say out of the house, two, two, one has a job, he's, he's out of the house. He's like a full-fledged adult now. The other two are in college and three are still at home. And now that there's only three at home, we really we miss that big group yeah. gathering. And not that we, we, of course, we love having just the three too, but you know, it's when everybody gets home, it's kind yeah. of like that's the reconnection point where we're all sitting around the table and yes, some talk more than others. Sometimes we're like, okay, can we have a cue here? Because you guys are all jumping on top of each other to <laughs> and but it's it's what makes it special to mm. to really have those moments where the rest of the day is so busy to take a time out for a second and say, Okay, 
let's appreciate something that happened today. Let's talk about it. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, let's yeah. talk about it. You know, you talk about the extraordinary you is that, and the ordinary is that a society tells us we're ordinary, but we know we're extraordinary. We just maybe haven't discovered it or haven't found that platform yet. But if we treat everybody as extraordinary, you know, people say, who do I eat? Who do I uh, interview? Is it um, celebrities? And I said, well, everybody's a celebrity because mm -hmm. I celebrate them. And I interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And the, what is this big stigma with ordinary? You know, we're just everyday folk who found a passion for something can want to share it. And that's where the extraordinary comes from. But we've looked at extraordinary as people with the Nobel Peace Prize or, you know, doing the big things. And we think we're so ordinary, we can never be that. But we can be, can't we? We could be extraordinary in our own lives. And the people that, you know, the no that won the Nobel Peace Prize or that are the celebrities that we watch on TV. Trust me, they have the same feelings of self-doubt. They all, everybody does, yes. you know, we, we never feel like we measure up, that we're never enough. And I'm a big believer in that we are all more than enough, that we all add value to society and we're all unique. I mean, that's what makes us unordinary. That's what makes us extraordinary. But we need to take a step back and realize it. We need to take a step back and look at the things that we're already doing in our lives and not think, oh, we have to do something bigger and better. Mm. You're making a difference every day with the choices that you make. And that's why it's so important to me that, you know, for my kids that I, I model that behavior that, you know, when I have a bad moment, I'm like, okay, that's an example of what not to do. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Because right. every moment is a teaching moment, really. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a good example of not how to handle things or a good example of being pushed too far and this is what happens. You don't get pushed too far. You know, I mean, we all have our boundaries. We all have that limit. And if you push beyond that limit, we're actually beyond control at that point. Um, so, you know, it is respect how far you can push and for us also to turn around and say, and no, no more, or I'm walking out of the situation, which is again something we don't do enough of, is it? Yeah, it's very hard to say no to people. I mean, <laughs> definitely. It, it, in, it's, it's actually funny. We, so when the older kid, my older kids were younger, I was the, the classroom mom and I volunteered mm -hmm. for this. I did mm -hmm. all of these things. And my daughter, my youngest daughter said to me yesterday, she's like, I'm so glad that you're not spending your time doing this stuff anymore. It's really funny because she's like, I mean, I love when you come to stuff but you don't need to be organizing this stuff anymore, mom. You have done it way too many times. Right. I'm glad you've learned to say no to those things. And it's kind of funny because here I'm feeling guilty that, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mill, I'm not going to do that one. Like she's like, please, you don't need to. It's all good. Right. Um, but it is a hard thing to, yeah. to say no because we feel like saying no, we're letting other people down. Yeah. But there's always someone else that will pick up that 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 piece that we don't have time to do and we have to take time for ourselves or we can't get anything done like we we don't when we don't take care of ourselves it's very hard to approach the world with a positive attitude mm. like us first then everybody else that's kind of how it needs to be and we especially as moms we struggle with that it's like everybody else first and then us and that's what i've realized over the last few years is that I'm a better mom, I'm a better wife, I'm a better person when I make sure that I take care of myself first. 
one trillion percent <laughs> right the old oxygenate yourself first you can't help anybody on the plane if you're yes. gasping for breath right and you know i think the it has been and i don't know why traditional for mums to be sacrificial hmm. right live for their children but then what the children are learning is that you will sacrifice when of course if it comes to something yes we will but to sacrifice our well-beingness our health our mental health um to look after the children is sending them an example is that they're not enough they're not worthy and they can't strive for anything more because they're going to be called upon to sacrifice we want everybody to contribute the best of who they are that is what it's about we're to be we're in service of each other we're contributors to, um, to the collective here but we don't we can't lose sight of ourselves because then what have we got to give if we're depleted it's it's so funny my so and you know our kids are sponges right they oh, yeah. they hear everything they see everything they might not repeat everything but but it's all in there we were um i was going through a drive through with my daughter and i was the line was really busy and so i had to leave space because i was in a in a parking lot and of course someone goes by me and jumps right into the line in front of me and i literally lost it yeah <laughs> and yeah. i'm like i'm you know and she just starts laughing at me and she's like seriously mom i think you might need to reread your own book you um <laughs> you forgot quite a bit about patience and understanding i mean who knows what this person they might not have even realized you were waiting. They might just be having a really bad night and really need a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because all the things that I say all the time, yeah. she was saying it back to me and she was willing to call me out on it, which is great because I am really big about saying yeah. the things that I mean. And so in that moment, and of course, then it was kind of, and then what happened was when we got up to pay, the woman who had cut us off actually paid for our drinks. <laughs> so, and then my daughter said, well, can we pay for the people behind us? Right. Yes. So, and and, yep. and then there was a whole conversation. How long do you think that will last for? Yeah. How many people do you think will continue that? So anyways, yes, they hear everything. They see everything. And yeah, one of the things I really want them to know and to understand is that they have to take care of themselves. It is mm -hmm. so important. Self-care is not selfish. It is self-love. And yes. we have to love ourselves so that we can move forward with loving everyone else. I love the fact she's read your book. Uh, yes, 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 they all have. They yeah. all have, you know. <laughs> you know, because you know, generally kids are inclined to look at you as the mother, and like anything else outside of that, it's hard for them to see, right? Mm -hmm. And unless they've been brought up with it, and that's very, very important. That um, I, for me, I came to it kind of late in life. You know, they, they were all in their teens or, or young adults when I separated from their father and then it went into my own self-discovery of who is Sarah now mm -hmm. and who I've become now is chalk and cheese as to who I used to be. But they kind of, a couple of them kind of got who I am and some of they're still on the, you know, still on the fence because they still see mum. It's important that we actually do show who we are, that we're always in self-discovery of ourselves from the moment we're born to the moment we die. You know, just because your mother doesn't mean you know who you are, you know everything, you're, you're winging it half the time anyway, you're going with your gut. And that, yes, it's okay for you to get mad. Yes, it's okay for you to have to inquire about how to deal with something because you don't know anything, you know, everything. And it's important that they know that life is a constant discovery. 
Yeah. It's it's interesting because I think for the first I'm I'm turning 50 in March and still a baby. <laughs> Um, but the first 40 years of my life, I don't, I didn't think that way. I really kind of just went through day to day and this, these are the things I have to get done and, oh, I don't need to take care of myself or I don't need to, all of these things. And I realized, you know what? I need to figure out what makes me happy. Yes. My husband, my kids, but beyond that. So, and I'm a big believer that it's okay to change your mind. I've tried many things Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. and realizing that when we choose one thing doesn't mean yes we should move forward and we should, just like i tell my kids when you pick a sport you need to finish the season yes but <laughs> yes but once you've given it put in the work behind it and you decide you know what this still isn't the thing for me take a step back and keep figuring it out because right. it is okay to change your mind i think actually um, you it's imperative, yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's part of the learning curve, you know, uh, this whole illusion that you finish school, go to college, get that job, marry 2.2 kids, which I always try to work out. How do you do 2.2 <laughs> kids? Picket fence, gold watch is twilight zone. It doesn't happen rea- in reality. How many people do you know, especially of our generation, that have only had one job all their lives and they've gone through you know the the whole spectrum of the of the job there we are very often have to work two jobs to make it work or we have to try different things i only discovered this 10 years ago at 57 Mm. and i didn't even know what a podcast was at the time right so it's like i didn't know if i could do it but i think that's the key we don't know what we're capable of or what's going to interest us, or what's going to really be that meaningful purpose, unless we're willing to try it. Yes. And I mean, I've done many things in my life that I thought, I look back and say, that would have been never, that Mm -hmm. wouldn't have ever been something that I thought I would like, but you know what? I loved it. And again, climbing a mountain, right? Yes. That was not, <laughs> yes. that. Yes. What brought that on? How, yes. how did you send it? I'm going to go and climb Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yes. Um, I am not a super athlete. We'll start with that. Um, <laughs> and I'm good with that. Actually, we had a friend who had climbed it the year before and he went with um, a philanthropic organization and they were putting together a team for the next year. And so he called my husband and said, are you interested? And of course, the way I tell my my story is um, one, two, three. No, thank you. Call Simone. <laughs> and, and, so, and of course, my husband's like, I don't remember it exactly like that. And I'm like, oh, but that's how I remember it. So that's my story. And so they did. They called the guy. The guy called me, and I said, you know what? Yeah, I want to do it. And then I thought, I better look it up what I'm doing. And then I looked, and I was like, oh, I got a lot of work to do here. Yes. So. I trained for six months. Uh, that's all the time I had because when I committed, I had six months and I was in the gym every day and really got in the best shape of my adult life. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing experience because it was the first time that I went into something and said, I'm going to do this because I believe in myself. Yeah. And that was a huge moment for me because I struggled with self-doubt. I mean, trust me, there's still that voice inside my head. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's always wants to, to keep coming yes. back up again, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that was a moment because I had friends say to me, okay, 
great. Can't, can't wait to hear about it. Can't wait to see the photos. And then I had lots of other people that would say, you really think you're going to make it to the top? Oh no, I'm going to make it halfway. That's why I'm doing this. Like, you know, and so you can't listen to the, that voice and also other people's voices that are the naysayers. It's really about, you have to believe in yourself and you have to put in the work behind your goal. It's not just setting the goal. It's the work. Yes. And so that was a really powerful moment for me. And no judgment if you only made halfway up, right? That's the fact is that you got out and prepared and tried. Whether you reach yes. the top or not is not really the point. If you do, hallelujah. But yes. if you don't, is the thing that you took yourself out of your comfort zone. Yes. And you went to try something that was totally radically new. And you had no idea what the outcome was going to be. But you allowed. You allowed mm-hmm. yourself to immerse into it. And for me, I I don't. I used to look at failures as failures. Like that mm. was like, it would prevent me from even trying. Right. And to me, it's not a failure. It's a bump in the road that says, okay, try this direction next time or, you know, something different so that, but I don't look at it and say, oh, that's so embarrassing. I can't believe that I didn't succeed at that. I'm never trying anything again. No, I say, oh, okay, well, that wasn't so great. Let me try something different. Right. <laughs> and it's really about my mindset. It's taking it in a different direction. So... And when I reached the summit, I, it was a moment where I said, this is everything else that, everything that I look back at my life, it got me to this moment in time. So all of the struggles I had, um, anything that, you know, all the naysayers, it was like, here I am. I am proud of myself. I did this. And this is the beginning of me truly believing in myself Mm -hmm. and all of that self-doubt that I struggled with for so many years. I really left it at the summit. And again, it's a constant work in progress, but- I don't, my first thought is never, I can't do that. It's right. hmm. my, I ask myself, do I want to do that? If I right. want to do it, that that's a big difference because yeah. I think a lot of times we say, oh, I can never do that. Well, do you want to? No, I don't want to do that. Those are the words you should use then. Yeah. I don't want to do it, but you can do things. Yes. You just have to, again, set the goal, put in the work. Every time I reach a challenge in life and I think, oh God, can I do this? You know, in my inside voice goes, look back, look at what you've overcome. Look at that that you thought you never could get out of. Look at this and look at that. All right. Some things you can look back on, they can give you hives. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, why did I do that? 100%. Right? Yes. And other things you look at and go, oh, my God, look, look at what I did or look at the fact of what I faced. Or I discovered my strength. I discovered my courage. I discovered my abilities. Had I not been willing to explore or try something, I wouldn't have known how strong I was, how resilient I was, how courageous I was. All these abilities that I had that I never knew I had, right? So sometimes looking back at where where you've come from is a wonderful boost forward to say, well, yeah, I've done it before. I can do it again. But as you said, do I want to? Yeah. Because if you don't want to and you think it's an obligation, then it's going to be constantly like a hand pushing against your chest. It's going to be a fight. But it's like, you know, I really want to try. I really think this is, let's just give it a go and see what happens. Right? I'm going to give it my all. And then no matter what happens, you know, I gave it my all. Right? I, I literally spent everything on it. And then it didn't work out. But I worked out. 
Yes. Right. You always yeah. come away with some nuggets, some knowledge, some self-discovery that's going to help you on the next journey. Success doesn't always mean the end goal. It is what did you learn on the journey that's actually mm. preparing you for where you really need to go. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's always, well, not in the past, but now it's always about the journey. And yeah. that realization is that all of those moments, you know, brought me to even right now where I am right now, right? Sitting here today and having written thing, a book. Yes. Same <laughs> right. thing with same thing with writing a book. That was yes. completely out of my comfort zone. I Again, as you said, I'm a CPA. That's how I started my, right. I'm, that, you know, I'm not, I don't practice anymore, but that's how I started my life is, and not as a writer. And so when I said to my husband, I think I'm going to write a book. And he's like, okay, great. Can't wait to read it. And you're not really a writer, are you? <laughs> and it wasn't like a negative thing. It was just kind of like one of those yeah. comments where, and I was like, no, but you know what? Why not? Why can't I be, right? I mean, I love storytelling. Mm. I love public speaking. And that was kind of how that process began was that I was doing some volunteer work. And through the volunteer work, I was doing a lot of speaking. And I would talk a lot about my family and my journey. And mm. and then people would say, well, have you written a book? You have such amazing stories. Mm. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not a writer. Again, limiting myself, yes. right? And... Finally, one day I said to myself, why don't I write a book, right? I do have like great stories that I want to share with the world that if I can change one person's mind, if I can yes. inspire one person to do something different, then it's worth sharing, even the hard moments. It really is. And yeah. so that was kind of the beginning of that journey. And when my husband, the best part was when, so I didn't let anybody in my family read it until it came out in a book, except for my daughter, Olivia, she's now 19, but she's really good with word choice. I'd be like, okay, I'm struggling with this sentence. What do you think? And so she had read a bit of it before, but I didn't, I wanted it to be my stories, right? Mm. I guess every story has three sides, right? So <laughs> I wanted to make sure that it was my side of the story as I told the stories. And so when my husband read it, he cried and mm. he he said, you know, I know all these stories and it still makes me so emotional and I'm so proud of you. And it was really, it was really a special moment because, you know, I, again, I didn't let him read it ahead of time. I was just kind of, and then he said, okay, I don't remember that story exactly like that. I'm like, again, perspective, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. We've all have a different viewpoint. Yeah. Um, my brother is a professional writer and uh, teaches, did teach, you know, master diplomas and and, and literature and writing. And so I started blogging for his, his website and he would get in and change it, right? Now I have dyslexia and I can't spell to save my life. So going in and changing the grammar and the spelling, yes, please do. But he would change the content. And I said, no, 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 you can't do that because you've lost my voice. Yeah. And they said, please keep, you can tidy it up, but please keep my voice. And then he got annoyed that I had so many people responding. I think of a, <laughs> Why are they responding? And I said, because I'm relatable. I'm sharing something that's happened to me. So other people are feeling that. And that then builds a connection, right? And it's, um, he's actually let me interview him a few times now. So, you know, finally, they kind of got into that. But there will always be people who are the professionals that would mm -hmm. tell you you're doing it wrong. Now, I 100% agree, if you're going to write a book, a good editor, 
Yes, right. Um, a good cover book. So many people go into the black with the red writing, and I'm sorry, it's not that friendly or warming. I, your color, you may notice, is very similar to the colors I have on yes. your book, right? Yes. So, and it's actually very appealing. It's clean and it's open and welcoming. It's very important that you choose that. But most importantly is, is your heart in it? Mm. Is it relatable? Is it something that people go, you know, you could be telling my story, right? Or oh, that story, my goodness, it's to shift my whole perspective or it's become a solution to a problem I had, right? And as you said, one person's life shifts for the better than hallelujah, yeah. right? And again, because I wasn't a trained writer um, and I love storytelling, I really wanted to make sure that my voice came across. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to write words that I don't usually speak with. And so one of the, I've heard it a few times from friends, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm reading the first chapter and I can hear you inside my head. Mm -hmm. And I said, thank you so much. <laughs> That's exactly yes. how it's supposed to be. Right, exactly. Um, You're not writing somebody as, it's, the other people are taken. Yes. You yes. are meant to be you. I, yes. I, 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 got it all the time in the beginning with the podcast. Why aren't you like Rachel Meadows? Ah, uh, we are totally different from what we present. <laughs> Why aren't you like this person? And I go, because they're taken. You know, yes. I, I'll do it Sarah's way and people have the choice to accept or not accept, listen in or not listen in. I won't be offended, but I can't do it anybody else's way because then it will come across as fake. Yes. And people can pick that up immediately. Just as I said, they heard your voice in the head, but if you'd written it kind of professionally the way it should be written by somebody else's opinion, you would have lost your voice in there and they wouldn't have connected. Yeah. It's it's funny you say that about everyone else's take. And I was uh, in Boston and we were at a playground and there was a nanny with two kids and they were, one was trying to copy exactly what the other one was doing. And it was so cute because she said, you can't be Sam. Sam is already taken. You mm. need to be you. And it was really cute. I was like, oh, that's so great. Like yes. for, for little kids too, to understand, just be yourself, be who yes. you are. You are Don't enough. Try to... yes. You are enough. Yeah. You are more than enough. Don't uh -huh. try to copy anybody else. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, we get that feedback of, um, Yes, the editor is one of the most important parts of the process. And even with an editor, one of the funniest things that happened was I sent um, a few of the books to some friends and one friend, she starts reading and she sends me a photo and she says, is this supposed to stay that? And I was like, I read it and I was like, oh, how did I miss that? How mm. did they miss that? Yeah. Um, but basically, um, I was like, no, it's my new superpower. So <laughs> the line is supposed to be making, you know, lemonade out of lemons and i wrote making lemons out of lemonade <laughs> and i said you didn't know i could do that <laughs> actually simone I, I believe you probably could so you know i had to make it into a, a yes. joke and obviously we fixed it and then it you know the next set of uh, books that were printed it was fine but it was kind of funny because you can look at something so many oh, yeah. times yes and we all make mistakes that's part of being human right and to right. just to 
judge somebody based on those little things, you know? And, but she was hilarious. She's like, I love this. She goes, I think you should leave it. <laughs> I was like, you know, what's funny. Nobody else noticed it. Like you are the right. only one. Because I was like, you get a prize. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. They're, they're, people's uh, memory of what that saying is automatically yes. changes it around for them. Um, as I said, I have dyslexia. So whenever I write something, I will write it. It looks okay to me. I've done Grammarly and everything else. Then when I revisit it a few days later, then I start picking up how everything, mm -hmm. but at the time it's perfect, right? And because my mind obviously sees things in different ways and it's only at the revisitation that you can see it. And you know what, don't beat yourself up. You know, um, mm -hmm. I've had somebody say, well, I can't listen to your show because you have a spelling mistake on the blog. <laughs> then I just simply said, my show then is not for you. Yeah. If you're so hung up on that, that you can't hear anything else, you're not ready for this information. It's so true. And you know, my my 17 year old son has dyslexia mm -hmm. and the way his mind works is so fascinating to me. He has the most incredible visual memory. Mm -hmm. So when we're driving somewhere, I'll be like, do you remember how to get to their house? He's like, yep. He might not read the names of the streets to me, but he can tell me exactly where to turn. Yeah. He can be there one time and it can be, you know, 50 turns to get there. He knows exactly how to do it. And um, the other thing that was fascinating is I remember when he was younger, he was, we were working on, you know, phonics and everything with it. And he was reading something and the word was couch and he said sofa. Mm. And it's amazing to me how the brain yes. knows, right? Like it, yes. that to me was one of the most interesting things to see. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. And again, um, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people who are autistic and this autism, you know, I've interviewed the parents of autistic children. They were told to, you know, put their children in an institution and forget they had a kid. And they said, no, you know, and some of them had to fight with a stool on the walls and, you know, violent behaviors, but their kids went on to getting degrees and, and doing things that are absolutely wonderful. But the difference is this. They're very focused and channeled in what they're interested in, and they're going to do it exceptionally well. Where they're not focused and channeled into is society's dysfunction. And yes. do you blame them, right? Yes. So it's like, oh, no, we want you to be normal. Have you looked at what you think normal is lately? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I also, our 15-year-old is on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. and you know, he, the, you're absolutely right. He will hyper-focus on the things that mm -hmm. interest him. And someone said to me something about being normal. I said, what does normal mean? Yes. I said, this is, this is who he is. That is normal. Yes. Like what, why are we judging people based on, I mean, we're all different from each other. What, mm -hmm. what does normal mean? And so why normal are we means demanding they, Yes. Right. Why are you demanding that they come into our world? Why don't we pay them respect and go into their world? Yeah. We would learn something. We would learn a great deal. Yeah. Um, and it's, really quite honestly the beautiful world that they're in is that they're very focused on what they do they're very focused on who they are um they're very true to themselves yeah right and what are we out there flapping in the wind with doubt insecurities trying to fit into societal dictation and you know just quite honestly not being true to who we are so i think we can take a huge big uh tip out of their book there and go okay maybe there's something to this yeah There absolutely is something to it. And it's fascinating to me that, you know, we 
don't see it that way, right? right? Like that we are, we're thinking all the time, okay, what's, what's normal? What we, yeah. he's not normal. He, you know, I've had people say, I was like, no, yes, he is. This is, he's amazing. He yes. has these amazing skills and things that, you know, we wouldn't see if we didn't look at the world through his right. eyes. Exactly. And again, that's why when we talk about being ordinary, mm -hmm. None of us are ordinary. No. We're all we're all unique, and yes. it doesn't matter if we're how we, whatever label someone wants to put on us. That doesn't matter. Like that's not how how the world should work. Maybe sometimes it is how it does work, but it, to me, that's not. These aren't limitations, right? No. Having dyslexia is not a limitation. Being on the yes. autism spectrum is yeah. not a limitation. These are who we are, parts yeah. of who we are, and we just need and to be able to respect people. Yes. Yes. I mean, respect it, um, people for exactly who they are. Exactly. And, you know, the reason why we're given this is there's always a, a spiritual reason behind everything. Um, I was given asthma at the age of two. And so consequently, I spent most winters in bed, sick with bronchial asthmatic. And basically out of six years of school, uh, 12 years out of schooling, I only accomplished six or seven, if you add them up. So I exempted myself from school as soon as I was 16, because there was just no point in me going on any further. I was so academically behind. But I could have these wonderful conversations with my teachers and I was a channeler and I kind of channeled things they needed to know when they needed to know it. They go, how do you know that? I don't know. Can you repeat it? No, yeah. <laughs> because literally I'm channeling and it's like they realize, but you just you have a different intellect, Sarah. Your intellect is a spiritual intellect, not an academic intellect. Don't let it hold you back. Just be yourself. But I'm oh, wow. brought up in an era where that academic piece of paper was absolutely important now yes it's great if you have it it can open up some doors but look at your entrepreneurs now where they've taken life experience you're not doing accounting anymore you've taken right. the experience yeah. of life you've put it together in everything that you do and now through that beautiful experience you are sharing more authentic wisdom and knowledge than you would be if it just been being a bookworm repeating what the book said following the format and whose format is it anyway yes yeah absolutely and you know it's it's one of those things especially as a parent we're like okay what's the right thing right mm -hmm. the right thing is what works right it's what works for you yes. what works for your child and Again, not limiting them, but also not saying this is the absolute way you have to do it yeah. because that's what the world demands of you. And that's not true. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen that, you know, you you have these choices to be able to get through and decide what you want to do with your life. And college isn't for everybody. We, right. we realize that, you know, as we look at our kids, we're like, okay, maybe that isn't what where they want to be or what they want to do. Um, and and it doesn't, it doesn't because it doesn't mean but, they're not intelligent no not at all <laughs> yeah. you know but again just like everything else we have these societal pressures that yes. say if you don't go to college or if you don't do this or if you you know all of these ifs if you don't and, know the six figures right <laughs> that it's it's not enough and right. this you're not enough and and that's not true and yep. it really is about doing what works for you what works for your family and believing in yourself most importantly is believing in yourself because i always say that yes it's good to for our kids to struggle through certain things mm -hmm.
but I never want to set them up for failure, no. right? Like when I, especially like with Noah, like when, you know, with him being on the autism spectrum when he was younger, do I want to take him to a loud, loud concert? So mm. it's going to really be hard for him. No. Why am I going to do that to right. him? Like, you know, understanding what, what things that he's comfortable in and what he loves to do versus, oh, you have to do this because this is what we're doing today. And it just doesn't work that way. It's going back to what I said in the beginning, those boundaries, your limitations. Yes. Right. It's like, it's okay to say no. It's okay. Not for me. Oh, but yes. everybody else is doing it good yes. for them. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's not for me and I have to stay within my com comfortability. Yes. We want you to push yourself out of your comfort and try new things, but not to the point where you feel at risk or it's detrimental. Mm -hmm. So the more you get to know yourself, the more you know your, your own limitations. And there's nothing wrong with limitations, folks. That yeah. just means it's your boundaries. You are not willing to go any further than that because you're not comfortable with it. Or it's just not you. You don't want to do it. Yes. And it's okay not to want to do it. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. But somebody said doing that. Do that. And if you want success, you've got to do that. No, I don't. Yes. Right? And you have to, you have to fit in the size the size two <laughs> jeans and you yes. have to, you know, all of these things that this is what yeah. makes you the right person. No, right. that's not true. That and then you talk true. to somebody who's in a size two jeans and they're not <laughs> comfortable with themselves because no. they're trying to fit into something else. And it's like, yes. society, will you shut up and try to tell me who I'm meant <laughs> to be and allow me to be who I am? <laughs> yes. Yeah, completely. And, you know, again, something else that, that I struggled with and felt like it was a struggle for so so long is weight and mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm not willing to do a diet anymore i'm just not no. because you know you diet and you gain it right back like i want to enjoy my life i want to be healthy yeah yes. that's a big part of it but i'm not going to starve myself to lose five pounds to go get in a bikini like right really like that's See, just voluptuous me yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy with who I am, but that took a lot of time yeah. and it took a lot of looking in the mirror saying, mm. you know, I need to love who I am because I am the only me, you know, and positive affirmations, all of those kinds of things that really made a difference in how I look at myself, how I look at the world, how I look at other people. I no longer look at other women and say, oh, I wish I could yeah. fit in a bikini like that or I wish I could do this. Now instead I'll be like, oh, that's an amazing bikini. You look great. Like, yes. but it's not about me. Right, and, exactly. You know, oh, it's no longer I'll kill about for me. your legs, but it doesn't yeah. mean I'm going to kill myself to get them. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, exactly. you look beautiful. Yeah. Like, you look amazing. And, and really understanding that looking at someone else and trying to compare yourself doesn't bring any value to yourself, yeah. right? It doesn't – it just makes you feel bad about yourself. Right. And instead, why not just look at them with positivity and say, uh, hey – that's a beautiful dress or not like, Oh, I wish I could have a dress like that. No, like that, that doesn't help anybody. And they're right. not looking at you thinking, what is she thinking? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, two C's I don't like is, is compare um, and um, compete. You know, we're, we're not here to compete with each other. We're here to support with each other, to elevate each other. And we compete with ourselves into a point where um, we want to be the best we can, but it's not about winning. You know, it, life, living a beautiful journey that you enjoy every day and you've got a reason to get up for every single day, you've won. If yes. you can keep that up, you, you're 
walking with the gold but this whole thing i've got to win this i've got to achieve this and and i've got to compare myself and, and it's like no you're, you're downward spiral and the other thing is when people are criticizing you as i'm just remembering something my ex said to my children actually your mother uh, i'm a person of image my and your mother is both too old and too fat for me Oof. And so my kids immediately went up and you know, one daughter says, that's why she's divorcing you. And the other ones, no, she isn't. And the other ones looked wow. at him and said, I can't believe that came out of your mouth. Still oblivious to it, right? Wow. And it's, but I had already got to that stage where that kind of statement no longer affected me before it had. Yeah. And it's like, I'm four years younger than you. So you're four years older than me. So if the age bothers you. <laughs> yes. Look at yourself, and, right? And yeah. uh, fat, it's all perspective, mm -hmm. right? And if you're hung up on weight, it's your hang up. It's not mine. But I had to go for the battlefield mm -hmm. to get to that point. And the thing is, don't take on other people's judgments or their own insecurities being projected on you. It's, it's exactly what I say to my kids. And it's funny because it took me years to learn that for myself. Mm -hmm. But when there was someone that would be mean to them at school, whether it was truly someone who was bullying them or just someone with a nasty comment, I said, I would always say to them, it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. And you, sh you know, if you want to, you can talk to them about what's bothering them because typically yes. something might be happening in their house, whether some struggle with their parents or whatever. And, and so it's not about you. So you can't take it personally. And I always say, just feel bad for them. Look mm -hmm. at it that way instead of making, it's not you. Like right. really take a step Do back. Do you need but, a hug? Do you need yes. some love? Because, yes. you know, that kind of comment. Uh, you know, I see from the picture behind that you you have obviously a mixed race family. Mm -hmm. And my children were um, are half Chinese. Um, so we've still got this awful stigma on color. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that prejudgment that people see whatever the color of your skin is and immediately pass judgment on it and it's like oh my god human beings are we still here really are we still here but it's again as you said water off a duck's back if your children can look at that and go but that is your issue and there's a beautiful statement that um sydney potier said in one of his films um when you look at me you see a man of color when i look at me i see just a man yeah it's um i mean i have so many stories around mm. this but you know it, it is one of the things i'm working right now on right now is a a tedx about racial bias mm. i'm expanding it more to just to be about bias in general you know we're black white asian and jewish you know Polka we got a lot going on here yeah <laughs> exactly and but it's the first thing that people see and mm. you know i'm really big on that why do we have to label everything she, you know my black friend my asian friend my she's a female doctor she's you know all of these things where it's like okay yes that's not that's not how the world should work and so really that's one of the things that i really discuss with my kids all the time open conversations and again until i had a multicultural family right i didn't realize the conversations that i need needed to be having um but basic things like when Millie and Noah, my, my two youngest, so Noah's from South Korea, Millie's from Ethiopia, they're playing on the playground one day and another child came up to them and said, he's your brother? How can he be your brother? You guys don't look anything alike. And she's mm -hmm. like, well, we're adopted, duh. 
And, (laughs) you know, just, and obviously that was like a a kindergarten age where that was kind of her response to things. But, you know, just having them have these tools to be able to say, Mm. you know, please, like, this is not, this is not about me. This is about you. And how can I help educate you? How can I teach you? What can I, what can I say to help you understand that instead of, because I'm, again, I'm a big believer in that when someone asks a question and they don't know how to say the words, we should still answer and we should help educate them on the words to say. Um, I had an experience once in the grocery store when Millie first came home and, um, a woman came up to me and I was at the bakery counter and Millie's sitting in the cart and um, the woman said, can I ask you how much you paid for her? Ah! And I instantly want to go, <laughs> you know, like, and so I'm like, okay, shh, take a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me start by saying you don't pay for children and, um, but why, why ask that? And then we went through a whole conversation of like terminology and you know, her intentions were pure. She's mm. like, my daughter hasn't been able to get pregnant and I really want to help her with adoption costs. And so, and yeah. she's like, of course, I didn't mean to offend you. And I was like, okay, well, how, you know, how can I help this woman understand like the words to use and yes. why that would be offensive? And and it was a great conversation. We sat there, we stood there for 15 minutes talking about things and- And she was, went away educated. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Totally and I felt good about it. Way. Yeah. I could have instantly just gotten upset and said, yeah. okay, lady, get away from me. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that, so I feel that way with my kids and with the people around me that, you know, this is, ask me the question so I can help mm-hmm. you understand. And, you know, we need to be talking to our kids at a very young age so that yeah. they all understand this and so that they don't form bias starting at three years old, yeah. which, which is, it happens, which is, oh, yeah. uh, you know, all things that we need to work on. I have a, a lovely gentleman I've interviewed a few times called Rob Shear. Has an incredible story. They're like three kids on the, on uh, kneeling on the kitchen floor with two drunk parents playing Russian roulette, saying, "Who should we kill first, Ma?" And this was his life growing up. And oh, then wow. he went into the foster care. And then forty years later, you know, he and his um, his husband wanted to foster children to discover that they still have black garbage bags for the clothes and their possessions and so he started a thing called comfort cases which is their own bags their own dignity which now has just grown massively um but it ended up you know two white gay guys in north carolina adopting five black children yeah right and you can imagine what they went through to get that and it was just about take away the color take away the sex just look at are we able to look after them do we have the love for them yes and then ultimately I'm a huge advocate for children because I do believe that if we don't invest in our children, they become the dysfunctional adults mm. of today. And because we haven't invested in our children in nurturing, in finance, in education, in their basic human rights of having a voice. Yes. And I think it needs to change considerably. And it's only by shedding the light on it and educating people of what to say, how to approach something. You can be inquisitive. We're not going to blame you for not knowing, right? But yes. you've got to be willing to be corrected on how you ask or what you do with the information afterwards, right? Yeah. I mean, I make mistakes every day, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just do. that's yes. just part of it. Yes. But if you don't ask the questions, mm-hmm. you'll never know. And if you're too scared 
to ask the questions, then how do you how do you learn, right? right? So we have to be able to ask. And and anytime I ask something, I would start with, I'm sure I'm going to say this the wrong way, but I would love your help with this, or yeah. you know something mm-hmm. where like so that you're not starting by offending somebody yeah. with you know and just being honest and saying I really want to know more I really want to understand more and boy most people will be like yeah how can I help you Um, right because it is important that we and that's how I feel that my role is is that Mm -hmm. ask me the questions I want to I want to answer I want to help um you know and we were at dinner one night and we had uh we had all the kids we were at a fancy restaurant it was end of the school we do a um Mm -hmm. we always do a dinner at the end of the school year and this one couple, they just stared at us and stared at us. And we were having a great time. And the kids were like, oh, my gosh, can they please stop staring? And <laughs> um, and so they came over after dinner. The couple came over and the kids were like, oh, here we go. And all they said was, you have the most beautiful family. Mm-hmm. Um, we really enjoyed watching your interactions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, again, you have this idea in your mind that people yes. are, like, judging or people are, you yeah. know what? Like we need to kind of let that go. And again, be that that positive piece needs to come in. And again, the piece about educating other people mm-hmm. is so important. We've got the Me Too movement. We've got Black Lives Matter movement. We've got so many movements out there. And just like the pendulum, sometimes they swing too far one way before they find a happy balance. And But they need to swing in order to kind of bring about the changes. Um, my daughter is in the... Um, one of my daughters is in the hospitality business and she is a bar manager. And, um, and I was just listening to the stories of her and some of the other girls that are working with her. And it's all the stories. It's like, my God, this is like 50 years ago, misogyny. And it's like in 50 years, we have not moved forward. Yeah. Right. And I said, the only way you're going to change this for you guys right now and for the ladies that are coming up is to stand up together and say to these people, this behavior is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to walk unless you change your ways, because we really do need to stand up against anything. We don't have to do it with malice, but we can certainly pull, I think, kind of the the little mama thing of saying, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh, not acceptable. That is not okay. Yeah, exactly. And it is so true. I mean, I... You know, my mom was, my mom's a retired physician. She went to medical school in 1961. She grew up in rural Pennsylvania on a farm. Her mom had a sixth grade education. Her dad worked in the coal mines in a local brewery, but she knew she wanted to be educated. And she walked into a library and that changed her life. That was yeah. kind of the beginning of her desire. But let me tell you, like the what she went through mm. and even now, like mm. she she's 82. She struggles so much still with self-doubt because, you know, she was always, you know, you're working in a man's world. Yes. You, you know, you're not enough. You, and mm-hmm. she was always reading another self-help book on the weekends. And um, as I mentioned, she's uh, moved in with us for a bit until she finds a place where she wants to live. And um, we're, one of the boxes was like, it said self-help books. And I was like, oh, I remember all these, mom. (laughs) (laughs) But what I say to my girls is that, you know, you really, you stand up for yourself because you are more than enough and you make a difference in the world and you have a lot to offer. And 
What's interesting is my daughter was having, one of my daughters was having an issue with one of the guys in one of the groups that she was working in. And she just kept texting me and he's like, he's so anti-women and blah, blah, blah. And I said, why don't you talk to him? He might not even realize yes. what he's saying. It's a pattern that he's repeating. Oh, yeah. Right. And she's like, oh, mom, I don't know. I was like, I know. I was like, give it a shot, see what happens. And you know, he didn't realize how things were coming across and he was super apologetic and they're actually very good friends now. And she mm. really enjoys working with him. Mm. And the next group that they had, they chose to be in the same group because, you know, it was, it was kind of a big moment for her to say, wait, it does work if you have a conversation. Yes. It doesn't always, but you know no. what, again, we can't, we, we can't don't know until we try. Exactly. Right. And uh, it's important and, and you've got to, to look at up. it, you know, uh, so many things, especially with men, there's this pattern right uh that they've been taught all their lives and it's like we can't turn around and blame them because this is the way they've been brought up yes today with every form of media in your face telling you that's not acceptable it's still hard to break a pattern that you have been that's been indoctrinated to you you've got to be willing no matter what sex color creed or anything else you are you've got to be willing to change a bad habit a bad pattern and go you know what I, I find myself doing that. I know where it's coming from, dad, uncle, granddad, you know, uh, but I need to change that because I won't want to treat my mother that way or my daughter that way. And I need to change it. So there is this accountability that we need to have, right? The, the responsibility of our own actions. And we're going to react in the moment with what we know. So yes. if that reaction, we look back on, oh, God, I wish I hadn't reacted like that. Well, had you known better, you wouldn't have. Right. So be willing to always learn so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. We, um, the movers were at my mom's house the beginning of the week to take everything that she wants to keep into storage for now. And they were telling me that they have this service where for, it's an older adult moving service where they'll come and they will take all your stuff. They'll take pictures of everything like every little knickknack that's in a, uh, you know, in your cabinet so that when you move into the next place, they'll pull it, they, they'll put, put it all back exactly how it was. And the guy said to me, and that's such woman's work, but this, you know, this guy here, he does that. And I was like, explain to me why that's women's work. Mm. And um, so we had a, we had a whole conversation about it. And his son was also there helping with the move. And I said, just so you know, if you say that to a girl your age, you will never date her. I was like, right. this is not, this is yes. not okay. This is not, there yeah. is not women's work and there is not men's work. There is work and you choose the work you want to do. But, you know, again, cooking, that's not women's work. Yeah. And cleaning is not women's work. It's, it's work. And it was really funny because he, the son was like, oh, trust me, I would never say anything like that. And the dad was like, well, why not? And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. Let's have a whole discussion about this. Yes. And it's important to call people yes, out when you, it is. you see something, you say something. I mean, you know, um, carrying a baby and giving birth. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. can't get them to do that, but they can be in it with us. Their support their understanding, their being there. My daughter's just had a baby 10 months ago, 48 hours of labor. And I am so happy that she has the husband she has because he was there the entire time through the whole thing. And afterwards, I mean, they definitely co-parent. It's not like, well, that's up to, she's the mother, she's got to do that. No, 
they they share their responsibilities the certain things that she does because he's doing that uh, but then they pull together on the other things dirty diapers laundry you name it getting up in the night the feeds the everything else as it should be just because we carried them and gave birth to them doesn't mean we're solely responsible for them yeah <laughs> it, it's so true and the you know when our kids see that both parents mm. do all of these different things then guess what when they grow up and they have children, yeah. they're going to be that same way. I mean, they again, they they follow our lead. And so if we're like, oh, no, men don't do that. They don't change diapers. Well, mm -hmm. oh, please, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, my son is in a relationship with someone who has a seven-year-old. And I know at first he was like, I really love it, but, you know, can I be the dad and this and that? And they've moved in together. And I was staying there for a couple of days on the couch. And there he is getting up at six o'clock in the morning, making her breakfast, funny faces, you know, uh, oh. making sure she got off to work when, when she comes home from school, playing games and doing everything. And he's totally immersed himself into fatherhood. And it's like, I, this is, I've always said, there's a father waiting to come out in him, you know, just waiting to come out. And like, he's now chosen. Okay, I, I am going to have to navigate this. It's a new territory for me, but I'm just going to pour myself into it. But I actually do think kind of watching my son-in-law and the immersement of it was kind of a good, you know, thumbs up there. So yeah. we learn from other people around us. And I think guys, if anybody's listening to this, <laughs> uh, women get them to listen to this is it's okay to ask for help or ask mm. for advice. It's okay to say, you know, I don't know what to do in this situation. What do I do? Please put away your maturism and just say, I'm vulnerable here. Help. Because yeah. we love you more for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, being human, showing that, yeah. hey, I really want to participate in this. I don't know where to start. Tell me where to start. Tell me how to do it, you know? And that's like one of my favorites. Like if I'm at the park or something and I see uh, a group of men with pushing the strollers, you know, and I'm like, yes. God, this is how it should be. This yes. is like, it's fantastic to see. It's not just, it's not women's work, right? Our right. children are all of ours, right? right? So you, you, you know, you're not just the seed, you're the parent. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have a wonderful, I'm on Bolt, you know, uh, AK dad, uh, second time I've had him on and he's written numerous books. And we were talking about the 20th version of his uh, book, Expectant Father and the toddler years and this and that. And, and it's like, you know, it's okay guys to say, I need to listen to these shows. I need to ask this help. We went into parenthood with very little information. We learned from other mums around us. What, what do you do when your kid does this? What do you do? Have you tried that? Oh, I use this. This helps, mm -hmm. right? And we're willing to talk to each other. Yes. Guys, put away this naturism and go, I, other dads, I need help. It's okay to ask for help. It takes courage and strength to ask for help. Be that courageous. It's like before we had GPS and, um, you know, we'd be driving somewhere and I'm not going to, I can't, no, I'm not going to stop and ask where we're going. I'm right. like, yeah, yeah, we are. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're not driving around for two more hours. Right. Let's stop. Let's ask. Okay. Yes. Ask for help. It's I okay. It's you know, okay. we all, we all need help. It's it not, is it's not, a not you, it's not weakness. me. Oh, uh, no. Yes. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> so you have the TED Talk uh, coming up. You have your book out. What is next for you? What are you doing now? Oof. Um, what aren't really, you doing now? Yes, what aren't I doing? <laughs> 
you know, I'm again, this this TED talk is a big one for me. I actually did a TED talk um, in December, which about finding your Kilimanjaro, all about, you know, realizing what you're capable of, really specific women's TED conference. Um, and really, maybe I'll write something again. I, mm. I do a, I Don't do a blog. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do a blog every week. So I keep up with that on my website. And I, again, it's really for me right now, it's about the public speaking, really mm. getting my messages out there and having other people realize that you make a difference. And yes. that Again, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, I'd never do this. This would be way outside of my comfort yeah. zone. And you know what? This is what I love. So yes. It's, yes. it's taking those risks and helping people realize that, yeah, it's okay to, to take this step forward. And it's imperative that you do so that you realize what you're capable of. Right. And what you love. Yes. And when you do something from that heart, you know, from that passion, you're, you're going to do everything you can to do it well because you're driven by it, right? Yeah. You're compelled to do it. Yeah. And so you're going to do whatever it takes to do it because that's that's what you're here for. That is your contribution. That is your meaningful purpose. And we're all looking for that. And we have different purposes in different times in our life, different chapters in our book, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, it's okay. I mean, as I said, I was 57 when I started this. I'm turning 67 this year, it'll be 10 years me doing this. Wow. I fell into something I had no idea what I was doing, into something that I'm extremely passionate about. Because we get to meet people like you, yeah. who've embraced your redirect, who are there to share that inspiration, which begets invitation to other people. And that's what it's about. Those stories of strength and courage and ability and joy and wonderment, then becomes to somebody else well maybe i can yes what if i did it what if i gave it a try and those are the seeds that you're planting and watering for others to grow yeah and it's exactly what i love doing yeah. and if that also includes making a difference in someone else's life that's even better yes so that that really is my my motivation and Again, I want my kids to grow up happy and healthy and all yeah. of those kinds of things. Uh, but really taking that that time for myself now to say, okay, yeah. this is what I love doing and I'm gonna spend the time doing it. And yes, I'm gonna travel a bit and I'm gonna be out there and and yes, I'm taking time away from certain things, but it's not time away because it's time for me. It's time invested. Yes. Right, and that investment will pay off. You never know the impact that a statement that you make, an observation that you make that has an impact on that one person at that right time in their life that literally can change their entire direction. Yeah, I've, you know, between the book and some of my blog posts where people will reach out and say, I really needed to hear that today. Yeah. Thank you. I was really struggling today. And that kind of really brought me back into, okay, I'm okay. Like yes. I can, I can do this. I can move forward. And to me, there's nothing more powerful than no. having someone say that my words, my words yes. really made a difference for them. And it just warms my heart. We are the difference that others seek. Yes. Right. And so it's 
others are the difference that we seek, right? So like that's, what that's community, yeah. right? Yeah. That's that is around the, the campfire, everybody sharing their stories. You know, that is we learn from each other. When we're there for each other, we grow exponentially and it's really important that we look at that big word community and what is our community and who are we helping because we've all of service to one another we're all contributors and it needs to come from the heart because if it doesn't come from the heart it's not felt the same so when you watch these singing competitions there could be somebody who sings perfectly and then the judge or the coach says beautiful but where's the feeling and then you've got somebody who hasn't quite got the same voice but oh every time pulls those emotional strings yeah. we want those emotional strings we do because we want that emotional connection everything is about relationships with ourselves and with each other and if we if we can build that relationship through storytelling through sharing through inviting through listening and caring then we really are building a better society. Yeah, it's it's all about human connection. And, you know, for me, the last two years, obviously, it's well, it's been a struggle, right? I mean, it just, it's, it's hard to connect when you can't yep. connect. Exactly. And one of the things I've loved is going on podcasts because mm -hmm. I have met amazing people all over the world yes. where, you know, that I, I learned something from everyone. And to me, it's so it's a way to fill my bucket, right? It's a right. way to really say, wow, this is what I learned today. And I met the most amazing person today. And the mm -hmm. kids are like, yeah, you didn't leave the house. You're still wearing your, your PJ pants. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, but I have a regular shirt on. Um, but yeah, like really taking because it, it's about human connection and how we 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 need to be an active listener so that we can take away something from every conversation that we have. And that that to me is one of the best parts of this journey. It was um, uh, a, a, an actor or a comedian the other day. Oh, Ricky Jarvis, I think his name. And he was on a, a show. I can't remember which one, but, you know, they're still doing it by by Zoom for some people, right? You know, mm -hmm. some people come into the audience, some people don't. And he's saying, and as I've said all the way through here, that it's a gift to the talk show hosts because instead of two or three minutes hair lighting everything surface type stuff you've interviewed people who are in their own homes their own hair and makeup mm -hmm. their own comfortability and the conversations have been deeper the conversations have been more meaningful and i've noticed as people have come back a lot of the talk shows have completely changed their format to be more kind of one-on-one -on -one with the conversation and more like a podcast rather than a TV show because podcasts allow things to open up and reveal, right? Which is, we all want that conversation. Not when We don't want the two-second attention span. We want something deeper and more meaningful that has answers and that yeah. gives us solutions and tools to move forward with. So keep on with your TED Talks and your blog and writing more books because that's what's needed out there in the world. Thank you. How do people get hold of the book? How do they watch your TED Talks? How do they read your blogs? How Thank do they you. get hold of you? <laughs> so uh, you can find my book pretty much anywhere online. Obviously, Amazon is, is a big one, but really, um, most online bookstores have it. And 
finding me is my website, simonecanego.com. Can you and spell that for the people who are just yes. listening though? Yeah, I know, right? I had to I had to marry someone with a difficult last name. <laughs> <laughs> and I was named Simone before Simone was a popular name. Right. Um, <laughs> Lovely it's, name. It's, thank you. S-I-M-O-N-E-K-N-E-G-O.com. And you'll find my blogs. There'll be stuff about my speaking. And also, if you want to reach out to me, shoot me an email. Send me a message. I would love to hear from you because, again – uh, the human connection piece is so important and that that's kind of really what what I'm about. So find me there, reach out to me and I would I would love to I will definitely reach back out. And tell them about your podcast. You mean my my um, TEDx? Um, I, I've got it here from your site. So I think it's oh. the um, let me have a look here because I link I took from your site. So yeah. I'm opening up your site right now to see whether it was called TEDcast or, or PodX. Uh, products. Ah. So I I, ha I don't have my own podcast, but I've been on uh, 2021. I set a goal of 100 and I did 102 wow. last year. <laughs> so this year I'm not being as ambitious in terms of the number of podcasts, but really want to make sure that I find like this one, ones that I really connect with and that my messaging aligns. And again, just about meeting uh, new people. My The TEDx that I did in December is it's not out yet. It again, we we recorded everything, and it it just has to be approved by the um, TED site so that um, everybody can watch it. And the next one, I'm going to be at um, UC Santa Barbara in April, and so hopefully that will come out shortly after that. Excellent, good. Glad to see that you're getting around because your message is needed. Um, you know, just that simple thing of calling people out for saying the wrong thing, no judgment, but just uh, did you know that that was offensive? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's a better way you can say something. And, you know, I'd like you to know that when you say that, you're hurting someone's feelings. Uh, do you know why? And some people will put up the defense and go, blah, blah, blah. and other people <laughs> will go, no, I didn't know why. And you've, yeah. they've walked away with more mindfulness. And if we could all step into a little more mindfulness, we might just all be a little nicer to each other instead of, you know, choosing words that perhaps um, that can be unkind. So there's a lot to learn from everything. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing here today. Thank you so much for having me here. I really enjoyed our conversation. So people, please reach out and get the book. It's um, a wonderful gift, not only to yourself, but to other people you know, The Extraordinary Unordinary You. And in the wonderful stories in there, I'm sure you're going to relate to a lot of them. But it's also, you know, we don't have to wait for Christmas to give a gift. Mm -hmm. Giving a gift of a book is really giving a gift of love. So buy it for someone else that you know that needs it right now, because that's also a way of sharing that love and those solutions. So until next time, folks. Bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. Please tune in to our selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see all the other genres that we have from you. Every week on Tuesday, we bring you new shows from illuminating people. If you know someone that should be interviewed, please contact us at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com. Now stay tuned for your next show.